Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today is the first day, even though I gave you a little bit of a preview, today's the first day of this new declaration. If you're new to us, every year the Lord just kind of places something in our spirit. He's been doing it for about seven years now. And uh, it's not something we sought the Lord for. It's just something that the Lord did. And he just begins to place in our heart what uh, it is for us to focus on the next year. And it just kind of comes supernaturally. And we, you know, it's sometimes this is how it kind of happens to us. Sometime around between August and October, the Lord just drops these nuggets in our spirit. And um, I don't know that the Lord will do uh, this always at Destiny, but for right now, we're just being obedient to him. And so this is our new declaration that every Sunday from now until 2024, we will say this right before um, we begin to break open the word. So are, are, are you ready? Because sometimes it kind of takes us a little while to get the cadence of it and the rhythm of how to say it. Uh, but this is kind of how I've been saying it. As I increase in Christ... He gives me influence to impact my community. So that's kind of how I've been saying it. So as we grow in Christ, as we increase in Christ, he gives us influence to be witnesses out there. Holy Spirit empowers us to be as an influence. Charles Jolly was an influence to us. At first, he was a, not a good influence, you know, he is, we saw him as a nuisance, but very soon we saw him as our spiritual leader who taught us many things from the word of God. He began to have influence. He spoke to me as a young boy. He saw the call of God. See, there are people that will recognize the call of God and God doing stuff in your life, and you won't even see it. He recognized things in my life, and he saw the call of God on my life before I saw it myself. And he prophesied over me, not in a, yay, thus saith the Lord, but he prophesied over me and said, Rife, the Lord is going to do this. And I'm like, are you crazy? You know, I'm just a little kid. But here we are all these years later and those prophetic declarations that he made over me. Why? Because he had influence and he made an impact. And this is the impact. He's never met any of you guys. He's in heaven. He'll meet you one day, hopefully. He, he's never seen you. He's never seen this church. But you're part of the impact. Oh, I'm just visiting here today, Pastor Rife. Doesn't matter. You're in this house. You're hearing me. You're hearing Holy Spirit, what he's doing here. So he has made an impact on you, and you don't even know him. That's how powerful our influence is. And this is what the Lord, as he began to speak this to me, he said, Rife, I, I want, we've talked a lot about, you know, growing our identity, all of this stuff. He said, this year, I want the church to focus more outside than it has inside in a long time. And he gave me four areas, and those four areas are basically souls, people who are lost. They don't know they're lost. We don't call them to their face lost. You know, hey, you're lost. You need to get, you know. No, they, they just are not in relationship with the Lord yet. They're lost for eternity 
if they don't come into relationship. So the lost, so the, the souls, suffering, people, man, who just, they're anxious, they're depressed, they have different things where they're suffering from. Could be physical ailments, it could be addictions, all kinds of things. Ministering to those, the imprisoned, those kinds of people. Schools, we already have been doing a lot of that. And then our local city. And of course, the, nowadays nobody at a church lives in that one town. Like our churches are community churches. There are people here from all over Baldwin County and some of you here from Mobile County today. But wherever you live, making an impact in that area, and for us, generally speaking, the Eastern Shore, because generally speaking, that's where our church is. So we're going to be obedient. I don't know how God's going to work all of that out, but I believe that God's going to bring us opportunities that we have not yet foreseen. Today, I'm going to start a new series called Greater, and Greater is just about growth. There's this incredible verse that I absolutely love, and uh, John the Baptist is the one that's saying it. I'm gonna, we're going to read it in just a second. But this verse says this. It says, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He must increase, and I must decrease. And in that story there about Jesus and John the Baptist, what's happening in John chapter 3 right here, uh, John's disciples come to Jesus, and they're basically saying, hey, hey, you know that guy that you, that you uh, identified as the Messiah, the one that you said, behold, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. You know that guy? Well, he's over there baptizing too, man. Baptism's our gig. Like, we're the ones, we're the baptizers, and, and he's over here, and he's cashing in. Not only that, some of our disciples are leaving and going and joining his his church. And this is what John the Baptist, and man, I love the fact that he knew who he was. He knew in his identity who he was and what he was called to do. This is important for us. He knew who he was and he knew what he was called to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just summarizing John chapter three right here for you. He says, listen, didn't I tell you that I came to baptize with water unto repentance? Didn't I tell you all that? Like, I'm not the Messiah. I can't do what that guy does. I do what I do, and he does what he does. I can't put on Jesus' shoes, and I can't become Jesus. Only Jesus can be Jesus. Like, only he can do what he does. And I don't know if y'all know, but if there's a hierarchy here, that guy's our boss. Like, he, he's, he's, he's the, the general over everything. He's the general representative over the whole kingdom. Like, we're just regional. I'm just going about my business throughout Galilee and Samaria and, you know, uh, Judea and all of these places, and I'm just baptizing people, but my whole point is to point them to that guy. He wasn't threatened at all by Jesus' calling. He wasn't threatened by the fact that he wasn't doing it. Listen, somebody, hear this, hear this, hear this. He was not threatened that he couldn't do what Jesus did. Why? Because he knew what his call was. He knew his identity. And he's like, man, I've done what I came to do. And that guy, Jesus, the Messiah, he's doing what he came to do. 
Isn't this beautiful? Because in the body of Christ, in the church, we are so many times jealous of what the other guys are doing when it's like, that's not your anointing. That's not your anointing. I cannot tell you how many people have come in here. Y'all be careful, I'm fixing to drop some church names, okay? All right? But it's not ever to dishonor a church. It's not ever, because we don't do that, and we hope people don't do that about us, because that's not godly. But I can't tell you how many people that have come into this church, and they wanted us to be City Hope, but they left City Hope. I'm like, we, we just want something deeper, well, I, I, whatever that means to you, but yet you come here and you want us to be like that. Well, we can't be City Hope. One, we don't have a $5 million budget for whatever, whatever, whatever. We, we don't have that. So you can't come here and expect to have all the bells, dings, and whistles of every program under the sun and 5,000 small groups and 82 mission trips a year and yada, yada, yada. And I'm not downing City Hope. Are you following me, church family? City Hope is doing what City Hope does, and they're good at it, but we're not called to be that. I can't tell you how many people have come in here, and they wanted, well, we, you are, you're a revival center. Really? Because God hadn't told me that yet. <laughs> now, I believe in revival. I'm all about revival, and let's have revival. But I know what they mean because they came from Church of His Presence, and they want me to be John Kilpatrick and be a church of his presence. I can't be John. I can't be Brother Kilpatrick. There's one of him, and he does a real good job of it. I'm not called to be that. We're not called to be a revival center like they are, where, where their services are mainly, it's just a revival. Every single church service is a revival service. That's not who we're called to be. God has called this church to be a training center. We're all about teaching the word. You can do with it what you want, but we're all about teaching the word. You cannot be at destiny. I'm just telling you. You can say, I've had people to tell me, well, y'all just aren't deep enough. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're smoking or eating, what kind of brownies you got or any of that stuff. But like, you cannot come to church here and not grow. You just, it's not possible. Like, if you do, that's on you. It's not on us. Because we are teaching the word of God. You got to stick around for a little while. You got to go through a few series to get a well-balanced diet of it. But listen, they're doing the revival thing really, really good at Church of His Presence. Praise God for that. But we are a training center. And I'm completely confident in who God has called me to be. All right? John was so confident in who God had called him to be. He said, listen, y'all need to understand something. I've got to decrease so that he can increase. And what it was all about, it's like, guys, I'm telling you, if we're going to increase, it's going to be all about growth. If you want greater, somebody said it this morning, I think it was Amy in our rally, if you want more, you're going to have to give up something. Think about this. If you want more of something, you're going to have to give up something. And it may just be you got to work hard for it. You got to sacrifice for it. You got to move some stuff out of the way. But isn't it funny that it's easier to give something up that you voluntarily lay down than it is if somebody takes it from you? 
I want to say it again. Isn't it funny that when we give it up ourselves, it's less painful. But when it's taken from us, man, listen, when we grow, when we grow, when we're increasing in Christ, there's this thing called pruning that happens. Now let's go to John chapter 15. I'm only going to read about three verses. John chapter 15, verse 1 says, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off, circle it, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they can produce even more. I'm going to stop right there. There's two things happening here. There's cutting, there's cutting off, there's severing, and there's pruning. There's two things happening here. Look at this. He says, verse 2, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine. Like the branches that are being severed are his. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me. Because everybody in this room falls in one of those two categories. Bro, listen. This is a day of reflection and examining. Like, am I a vine that doesn't produce fruit? Am, am I a branch that produces fruit? Like, which of those is it? Because, listen, I'm going to tell you, I know people, I know people, I know people. I've talked to them this week. They've been in church their whole life, and they don't really resemble Christ at all. Some of them are your friends. You know them well. They come to church here. Isn't that sad? Pastor, you not, not, don't throw nobody under the bus, preacher. I, I'm, I'm not saying anybody, you know, I'm not going to say it's Zuri, y'all. Look at her. Shame on it. I'm, you know, it, it ain't that. But listen, man, I'm just telling you if, you, if you have a problem getting real with me, oh, my friend, you are not going to want to look into the blazing eyes of our Savior. He is the faithful and just judge. He is a righteous judge. He's always going to be fair, and he's always going to be just, and he's always going to be honest, and he's always going to call it like he sees it. Man, I'm just telling you, he says he cuts off every part of the vine that's mine, but it doesn't produce fruit. Man, we're made to produce fruit. We are made to produce has anybody ever heard that in this house before? Yes. We, we are made to produce fruit. That actually was one of our declarations many uh, years ago. We're made to be fruitful. There's made, fruit is evidence. Like if I can't see evidence of growth in your life, if you can't see evidence of growth in my life, something's wrong. Like, you can't be and I can't be where, where I am right now in six months. There's got to be growth. 
Sometimes growth is fast and sometimes it's like, for the love of God, will it ever grow? We have to be patient with each other. But can I just tell you, 10 years and there's no growth, there's something not right about that. The natural mirrors the supernatural, all right? In the natural, if something didn't grow for 10 years, if it didn't grow for three years, you you know what I'm saying? We would go like, what's wrong with this? Let's take this kid to the doctor. As a matter of fact, Shay and I, we took, I think, both of our kids to the doctor because it's like, they ain't growing like they supposed to. So we took them to the doctor and we're like, they're just little scrawny people. Like something's wrong with them. Noah's got that funny shaped head thing going on, but you know, he grew out of that. But they both were just scrawny. And the doctor said, no, they're fine. They're fine. They're just late bloomers. And sure enough, man, Noah shot on up. But when we are thinking about greater, increasing in Christ, this is what I want. I I want you to look at this. If I want to become greater than I am right now, Jesus has to become greater in me than he is right now. Say it again. If I want to become greater than I am right now, if you want to become greater than you are right now, then Jesus has to become greater in you, in me, in us than he is right now. So we were talking with our volunteers this morning. One of the things that I said to to them, I said, guys, I'm just going to tell you, like, I just want to go deeper spiritually. I just want to grow to a whole different realm spiritually. And I know in order to get there, I'm going to have to give more in certain areas of my life. And I don't know what it is, but I always have felt my whole life, you know, that I'm not where I want to be. And I've learned, because I used to come look at that from a poverty spirit, and it was like, you're not good enough. God's not pleased with you. You're not where you need to be. But when that poverty uh, uh, spirit was exposed over my life and I was able to now identify that voice when it comes to me, I recognize that's not the voice of Holy Spirit. That's the voice of Antichrist. And now that feeling is totally different. And it's like it's more of a hunger and a drive. Not that I'm not good enough. It's just he's so good I want more of him. So say it with me. If I want to become greater than I am right now, Jesus has to become greater in me than he is right now. Will you make room for him? Man, the other night at Night of Joy when we had our Christmas celebration, that's one of my favorite songs. Make room. Just make room for him. And look, I want you to look at these things. There are some reasons that the Lord prunes. He's doing two things here. One, he's cutting off. And I've looked at that, and I haven't, like, exegeted it to the nth degree in the Greek and all of that. But I've just asked the Lord, like, God, what does that mean, that you cut off, like, sever one of yours? Like, he cuts off those vines that are mine. And I truly believe this is what that means. That they're eternally secure, but they won't bear fruit. There are people that they're living their Christian existence with simply for no other reasons than fire insurance. Get out of hell free card. 
They are eternally secure. And the gift of, of salvation is without repentance. God's not going to take that gift of salvation back from them. But they're living their whole life. And that's all that they're really getting out of it. But God created us for so much more than that. He created you and I to be an influence. He created you and I to be influencers. He created you and I to go out into the world and be witnesses. He created you and I to pray over people and watch them be healed. He created you and I to pray over people and watch them be raised up or called into greatness or to influence them and prophesy over them. Listen, I've told you, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that I didn't know it was happening at the time, but once I came to Christ and I began to grow and, and increase, if you will, in him. I began to look back over my life and I saw my second grade teacher prophesy over me. I don't know if she called it that, but that's what she was doing. I didn't recognize it, but as I grew in Christ, I look back and I go, I remember when she said this and she made this declaration over me. I remember when my fourth grade te humanities teacher, Mrs. Kurtz, she prophesied over me and she said to me before my parents ever even knew Christ, this was in the fourth grade, and I didn't know Jesus until the ninth, maybe tenth grade, early, uh, mid-year ninth grade. And she said to me one day after a little play that we were practicing for, and she said, Rife, do you know that you would, you would really make a good preacher? I'm like, what? Lady, you crazy. Like, my family don't do church. You know, we don't go to church. We're not those people. And she said, you would make a really good preacher preacher and she saw that little puzzled look on that fourth grader's face and she said you have a really good speaking voice and preachers have very good speaking voices thought she was crazy never thought about it didn't go to church the next day didn't get any holy ghost chills i didn't get filled with the holy ghost right in the moment yay good god you know none of that but somewhere down the line, I get saved. And it not, not even did the Lord reveal it to me there. I went off to school, went to seminary. And somewhere down the line in ministry, the Lord brought what Miss Kurt said to me in the fourth grade in Manning Elementary School. And I thought, my God, that woman prophesied over me. Oh, listen to me. How do you know she prophesied? Well, I don't know if she knew she was prophesying, but she was doing it. One day, years and years and years later, I went with a friend to First Baptist Church, big old massive church, and I hear, Rife Stewart, and I turned around, and guess what? There was Miss Kurtz, and I didn't know she was a Christian. You know, I, did, I, I thought she was a humanities teacher. I didn't know she was a Christian. What she was doing, she was living out. She was, you know what she was doing? She was being a reflection of Jesus. That's what she was doing. Y'all, Destiny folks know what I'm talking about. What was she doing? She was being an influencer. She was, she was, she had already increased in Christ and she was using her influence to make an impact in a fourth grade kid. And guess what? Thank God she got to see the impact that, 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 that it made. There's this little kid, but guess what? She didn't see the fullness of the impact. I don't know if she's alive or if she's dead or if she's in heaven or wherever she's at, but she is not seeing the full impact of her influence on my life. Come on, man. That's good stuff. Reasons the Lord prunes us. There's just a few reasons. Number one, to remove things that are dead. God prunes us 
Pruning is one of those things where he is the one that removes them. He comes in and he snips and he takes things away from us that are dead. I was having a conversation with someone here in our church and they said, do you think that it's time just to let it die? Dennis, remember us having that conversation? (laughs) I don't know if you remember it, but I remember it. And, you know, there are times when you just have to let something die. God is pruning it. A lot of times we try to keep things on life support. But it's dying. It's dead. It needs to be removed. It needs to be pruned. Things that are diseased. Listen, there are people in your life that they're spiritually dead. There are uh, situations in your life that are dead. There are situations and people in your life that are diseased. You see them. They're toxic. We call them toxic folks, but they're really diseased. And they will, you know, if, if they're around you for any length of time, then you begin to be infected on that. And in a plant, if you don't cut that diseased part out, it will infect the whole plant. You know, there's plenty of examples in Scripture. A little yeast ruins the whole loaf, the whole dough. So diseased, there are people at times that are diseased. And I cannot tell you how many people I've uh, ministered to, I've counseled with. And it's like, you've got to get rid of him. Oh, but I love him, I love him, I love him. You're living in sin. You're living in sin. You're asking God to bless sin. It will never happen, church. God is trying to prune that disease from you. And then there are things that are just distracting. Sometimes God, he just needs to remove some things. The scripture says this. It says, let us lay aside. Let us set aside the things that so easily uh, weigh us down, beset us in some versions. But in today's vernacular, it would be, let us lay down the things that would keep us from running. In other words, keep us from growing, keep us from increasing. But we won't. We'll keep that stuff. We'll keep it. Well, man, I've been friends with them for 42 years. You know what? And they are hurting you, my friend. Pastor Rife, are you really asking us to give up friends? Yeah. Yeah. If need be. If the Holy Spirit, if you would just pray about it. Listen, like... See, if you get mad at me, some of y'all that say you love Jesus, you would be the first one picking up a stone to stone him. Because I'm saying it to you nice. Jesus, you know how he says it? Listen, man, if you don't hate your mom and dad, you're not worthy to follow me. What? The man of love? Agape personified himself is what he's He's just using hyperbole. But he's, man, he's, he's like, mmm. He's just saying, listen, I'm just going to tell you, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to have to be the focus, the main event, the main focus. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And his righteousness, what's the kingdom of heaven's righteousness? It's not just right ways of living. It is Christ himself. He is the righteousness of heaven. Sometimes the Lord needs to take things from us that are distracting us. They're keeping us off focus. I can't tell you how many times in my life right here on this screen that I have had people and situations in my life that were dead and I didn't want to let them go. I can't tell you how many situations I've had in my life that were diseased 
And I didn't want to let them go. Why? Because I like them. Why? Because I like this situation. You know, it's not perfect or whatever, but I'm just so, it's part of my life. And it's like, no, the Lord is wanting to remove stuff. And many times when he's wanting to remove dead and diseased and distracting things from our life, we are like little spiritual toddlers. That's what we look like in the spirit realm. Throwing a spiritual temper tantrum at God. I cannot tell you how many times that your pastor in the last five or six years has had his temper tantrums. Sometimes they bled out right here. You know, I mean, I try. I really know. And I'm like, some of y'all are like, no, he lying up there. He's lying. He's lying. He, no, I'm telling you, I, I tried to keep my composure. But, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, but y'all should have saw the tantrums that I had when y'all wasn't looking. Y'all should have seen the conversations with God that I was having when nobody was looking. I was just raw and real as I could be with the Lord. And I'm like, God, this is not fair. Because I know my life. And I know what people might say or think or assume. But I know my life and she knows it. We are the two people that know my life better than anybody else except the Lord. I know my life. I know my life. And this is not fair. I'm giving more than you're giving, God. Y'all ever been there? God, I'm giving more than you're giving. It's actually like you're taking more. Like, what is the deal? Things to remember when you're in a season of pruning. Now, remember, to increase, sometimes he has to take away. So when you're, if you've been in a season of pruning, and here's the deal, here's the deal. Growth and pruning go hand in hand. But pruning, listen to me, church. Pruning is the taking away of something. Pruning is the taking away of something. It might be a distraction. It might be a disease. It might be something that's dead. But it, pruning is a taking away of something. In other words, it's a loss. Are you following me? It's a loss. And losing doesn't feel good. Like what you've worked for, what you have grown, you know, accustomed to when that's taken away from you. It's not fun. It's like taking the lollipop away from the toddler when you sit down at lunch today and you're wanting him to eat mashed potatoes. What's he going to want, mashed potatoes or a sucker? No. Like, and you take that away and all of a sudden it's pandemonium. And so when you lose something, it evokes a lot of responses in you. Let's look at these. Things to remember during a pruning season. Number one, don't misinterpret spiritual increase as a spiritual attack. Oh, listen to me, because don't misinterpret a season of spiritual increase as a spiritual attack. Oh, God. God is about to bless you. God is about to increase you. But in order to increase you, he's fixing to prune you. And he's going to take some things away from you. What is happening here? Spiritual increase. But it looks like spiritual loss. It looks like natural loss. Man, I don't understand. I've been here. Listen, I'm, if, if it don't apply to any of y'all, I'm preaching to myself. God, this ain't fair. 
It's not fair. I know who I am. I know how I've treated people. I know how I've done things. I know what I've done. And it's like all of this is not fair. And it's like no, you did this. You took that. You did this. I lost this. I lost this. I lost this. And all of the sudden, I am misinterpreting this as a spiritual attack. Listen, everything is not the devil's fault. Everything is not a spiritual attack. There are times when God just needs to take it away because in order to increase you, in order to increase me, you can't take that with you because it's dying or it's dead or it's deceased or it's distracting you from what I really need you to be focusing on. So don't misinterpret your season that you're in right now as a spiritual attack when it may just be your pruning season and after pruning season comes season of increase all right so don't misinterpret that don't misinterpret your former season as failure all right if you're in a pruning season right now like God I don't know why I lost my job I don't know why I can't seem to find a job I don't know why I'm doing all of this and it's not working God I don't know why I'm in this season right now in my marriage I don't know why I'm in this season in my finances I don't know why I'm going through this with my kids right now come on man I'm preaching to somebody in this house today don't misinterpret your former season the one right before your pruning season as failure well you know it's because you didn't raise your kids right you know it's because those, th those things right there you didn't do, that's why they're, why, why they're where they are. Well, you know in your marriage you didn't do that in, in that season of your life. And that's why you're suffering right now. And that's why this is happening. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And listen, the enemy is known as the what of the brethren? The accuser. It's funny. When I am dealing with people and they are going through major loss in their life, and it could be, can I just use you as an example, Greg? Uh, I promise you I won't embarrass you too much. Greg and I have never talked about this that I know of, but I'm just, I'm just saying this could be an assumption that Greg used to be on our staff. He used to be my assistant pastor, okay? All right, there came a time where Greg did not need to be in that position before. Also with Shay. Now, it's one thing when you got to talk to, uh, you know, one staff person, but when you married to one? And I remember one day, Shay and I were up in the upstairs room right there, and it was a, one of the most difficult days of ministry for her when I had to let my wife go. Are you following me? Now, yes, yes, they were for, for some financial reasons, but they weren't all financial. It was because, you know, I can say this about Shay. Uh, some of it was she didn't want to do parts of her job anymore. She, she's just like, that's, law, that's left me. I don't want to do it. And so, man, I'm the boss, man. And this is one of my, you know, staff people. And I'm like, well, I, I love you, but... We can't pay you to do what you are supposed to be doing. Like, you don't have to do it, but you can't get paid for it. <laughs> so what that means is that your, your, your place around here is fixing to drastically change. And it's going to affect our family income. And I'm having this conversation with Shay, and I said, I don't know what it's going to look like for us, but in X number of days, you will cease to be at the, in this role, 
also with Greg, you know, for different reasons, obviously, but we were looking at some down finances. But I believe I said this to both of them. It may not feel like it now, but in six months or a year, you are going to be thanking me. <laughs> now, that was Greg, not Shay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Shay. She, I mean, like, dude, she's just crying. It was a terrible day. It's like one of those days I just want to quit. But I'm having to tell my wife that I'm, I'm releasing you in this capacity. It was a pruning season for her. It was a pruning season. The enemy so quickly can come in and say, well, you weren't good enough. They didn't blah, blah, blah. You know, come in. And all of a sudden start attacking and making you misinterpret your former season as a season of failure, as a season of, of, of you know, just whatever. And none of those are true. That was a season in your life. That was a season in your life. And you went through that pruning. But I believe you and you both would be human testimonies of like, dude, so much better off where you are now. I mean, Greg, my God, you got your master's degree in less than a year and a half or whatever. How many months? How many? 15 months. And, you know, the dude makes more money than I make, you know. And like, how did that happen? God, what? you know. So, but, but you see what I'm saying? It's like, if you're not careful, you will misinterpret your former season as failure during your pruning season. And nothing got taken away from you because you were a failure. Nothing got, listen, he's taking it away for promotion. He's taking it away from you for increase. Because listen to me, church family, many times we would stay right where we are based on comfort level, and we would never step out on faith. We would never step out on faith. because Oh, that's too comfortable and scary. But the Lord bids, come on out, come on, promise, I promise you, it'll be good, it'll be good, it'll be good. Pruning, don't forget, don't withdraw from spiritual community, draw closer. Whatever you do, if you're going through a season of pruning, I just don't feel God's presence like I used to. Well, there's a whole lot that I could say about that. I don't fully understand why God, seemingly his presence is not as strong at different times in our lives. Maybe it's because the Lord wants us to ride this thing without training wheels. Listen, man, if, if we're only serving the Lord to see how many Holy Ghost goosebumps we get on the back of our neck at that high point in the third song that we sing each Sunday, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, baby, that's training wheel stuff. Like, don't, don't withdraw from spiritual community if you are going through a pruning season because when you are around spiritual community, draw closer. That community helps keep you grounded. That community, when you are messed up in your way of thinking, because I'm telling you, I I went through a period of pruning and I saw it as abject failure. I'm like, I literally at one point told my wife, and I've never said this in 15 years of ministry, I don't know what else I can do. I don't know what else I can do. I can be the greeter at Walmart. I could, you know, 
go work at, you know, the car wash or something like that. But I don't know what else I can do. I'm not qualified to do anything but this. Why? Because he chose me for this. God chose me. I did not see some preacher and go, I want to be like that guy. I didn't go, man, ministry has all of these benefits. You never get picked on. They get paid like these immaculate, you know, just huge salaries. Man, you just get all these benefits that go with it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see that and go, I think I'm going to do that. God literally called me, and I can't do anything else but this. I can go get a job, and I've done that in the early years of our church, but still, this is my main call. But there have been times in that period of darkness that I've said to her, I'm like, baby, if I, could, if I had anything else that I was good at that I could do, I would do it. This is not fun. It's not fun. It's hard. I don't like these people. You know, and I'm not talking about, (laughs) I'm not talking about all of y'all. Just Harold and a few others, you know. But I'm like, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. But you know what? In those dark times, I would come into this house. Y'all have heard me say this. Come on. I would come into this house. And the Holy Ghost would come upon me. And I would feel like I would come in so discouraged and just down and be like, come on, I can get it together, Rife. And I would walk into this place. And all of a sudden, the love of the people. I mean, you know what I'm saying? The love of the people, the, you know, the encouragement from my community. The Holy Spirit would come upon me. And Every Sunday, every Sunday, the Holy Ghost would move in a way that was just beautiful and sweet. It was different every week. Like today has been different. We've had a fun communion time. We've had a blessing of a new pastoral family. We've had a lot of things to go on. It's different every time. But in that community is where we find strength. It's where we really are grounded. And when you get to start seeing things that are kind of off kilter, somebody who loves you will say, hey, man, I I love you. And I had people to say this, some female and some male, and they would say to me, Pastor, I love you, but you're you're off. Man, you're distracted. You're, You're over here. Like, you're, I mean, people don't mess with me about my preaching. And you know, and this is the way. I'm not the greatest preacher. This is a small part of my job. I am a teacher more than a preacher. All right? But I do occasionally have people that speak into my life say, man, you're in the weeds. You're distracted, pastor. Don't let this stuff mess with you. Pastor, just teach us and dig it out and give it to us and feed us and lead us. You're distracted, Why? Because I'm in community with people that I trust that will speak into my life when I get off in the weeds. So, pruning. Resist the urge to hold on to what God is trying to take away. If God is trying to take it away, let it go. I cannot tell you, oh God, I wish I had time to preach this. I can't tell you how many church people won't let let things go. God's trying to do something. Like, I'm just hypothesizing. Let's just say five years from now, Wesley gets a big mega church that you're going to go pastor. And, you know, well, I, I, don't, I don't see why they're leaving us. I don't know. 
Because it's an increase, dude. Like, I hope y'all never leave, but that happens. You know what I'm saying? Um, You left somewhere to come here, and one day you may leave somewhere to go here. You could just take my place. But, But resist the urge to hold on to what God is taking away. And listen to me. Everything that God takes away, this is important, church. Listen to me. Everything that God takes away isn't bad. Everything that God takes away is not bad. You know, sometimes they prune those, and what do they do with them? They don't just throw them all away. They go and graft it into another. Or they'll go and just stick it in a pot of dirt or put it in a, you know, hydroponic-type thing of water, and it'll sprout roots, and it'll grow, and then they'll go plant it somewhere else. Everything that God tries to remove, but sometimes, listen, I've always told people, if you tell me God's moving you somewhere, if you're a church family member or whatever, you are never going to hear me. You're never going to hear me unless Holy Spirit tells me to. I've done it to one person in literally like uh, 35 years of ministry, one person that I looked at them and I said, God is not telling you to move. Yes, pastor, God told me to move. No, God is not telling you to move. And this is why. You're offended with her. That's why you're moving. You know, that, that kind of thing. Because you don't want to do the spiritually mature thing and work that thing out. Work it out. And then if the Lord still wants to move you, let us bless you. Let us bless you. Let us come up on this stage, lay hands on you, and, and let you go. That's how we do that. But somebody who slithers away in the dark of night won't even say goodbye to their church family. There's something wrong with that. And y'all can be mad at me if you want to, but there's something wrong with that. That is not genuine community. But don't resist, don't, don't resist the urge to hold on to what God is taking away, whether it's good or bad. Listen, we can't afford to lose them. We can't afford to lose them. Telling you what? That God may have three people that he wants to bring, but as long as you got that one person doing three things in the volunteer ministry, when they're called to be doing something else, he can't bring those because you got that one person doing everything. Are you following me? So don't resist it. If God starts moving stuff, let him. Pruning is painful, but it's not punishment. This goes back to that thing of misinterpreting your last season. God's not punishing you. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this message. God is not punishing you. God is not mad at you. He's not ticked off with you and go, well, let's just see. Let's just see. He's not vindictive. He is a God of vengeance, but he's not towards his children. He doesn't go, let's just see. I'm just going to take away stuff from you. You're grounded. No TV for you. No car for you. No new job for you. No whatever. No healing for you. God is not holding things back for us from us as punishment. It's painful when God takes stuff. It's painful when pruning happens. I'm telling you what, some of the most, listen to me. And I'm just speaking from my experience. You can liken it to your own family, to your own job, whatever uh, settings you're in. But I'm speaking from mine. In, in my, um, I'll, I'll give you two examples. One, staff people. Some of the most painful departures were some of the most wonderful blessings to our church as a staff. Oh, God, it was so painful to let certain people go. Why? 
It was more painful than some of the others that weren't. Why? Because it's not punishment. It's like you're sending one of your kids. Now here's the personal. The hardest that Shay and I have ever cried. Well, I take that back. There was one other time we cried over our kids. But the hardest that we ever cried over our children was the day that we took them to college. And we had to drop them off. And I'm telling you, we mourned like somebody died. If somebody had saw us at the red light, they would have thought, what's wrong with these people? And I'll just say this for you. Sheila, are you in the house? You need to get that um, letter that you gave us. I'm serious. You need, we've got it somewhere up in the attic. But you need to get it because I have wanted to give that to so many people. Just a little snippet, anecdote, off point. Sheila, she gave us this incredible letter that told us how to let our kid go to college. And said, when you get there, don't hold on to them. When they get on campus, they're going to be like, God, let me see. I got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. Hang on, baby. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let mommy tell you this. Let daddy tell you this. Let, you know, hey, can we, go, can we go get lunch one more time? One more time. No, no, no. I want to go over here and look. New friends, new friends, new friends. But baby, I'm not going to see you for so long. Baby, don't you want to be with daddy? Are you going to treat daddy like that? No. She let us know, like when it was time. And, and I did it. Shea Bear almost did it. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. It was time for us to go. And we, we, we talked this through. We read the letter and everything. And it's like, hey, when it's time to go, we're getting in the car and we're, we're going. And so Shay's going like, bye. Bye. You know, baby, get in the car. And I'm like, Shay, get in the car, get in the car. We said we weren't going to do this, you know. And I'm exaggerating like this much. (laughs) But what happens is it's painful, but it's a good thing because they need to increase. They need to grow. They need to go and explore and move on to their next. It's painful, but it's a good pain. It's not punishment. Look at this, pruning. More fruit's coming in your next season than you experienced in your former season. When he says in here in John chapter 15, I think it's about the second or third verse, he says he prunes those who bear fruit that they will produce more fruit. So listen, in this season you produced fruit, In this season, you have been pruned, and in this season, more fruit is coming. So, you know what I'm looking at, church, prophetically for us as a house? And listen, man, I say this with all sincerity uh, to uh, Caitlin and to to Wesley. You guys are a prophetic answer to, to, to us. It is now up to us what we do with that, you know, how we, how we steward the opportunity that God gave us. But, man, I'm telling you, this next season for us, we went through a pruning. I mean, I lost some good people, but we're in a season now that it's like, man, God pruned, and now, oh, my God, we see some little green buds that are popping out here, and, oh, 
were so excited about it. Because, guys, next season, the next season is going to be more fruitful than what we've experienced before. Can somebody partner with me uh, for, for this house, for this? All right, say it with me. If I want to become greater than I am right now, Jesus has to become greater in me than he is right now. Are you going to make room for him? Listen, church. If all we're going to do, I'm begging you. If all we're going to do is come play church. If all you're going to do is come watch us sing a few songs. And you know, I'm, I'm on the team now just because, you know, the team uh, needs a, a, some you know, male voice. But if all y'all are going to do, if all we're going to do is come and just sing a few songs without going to someplace deeper in our worship. Like, I'm not satisfied with where we are in worship. Vocally, musically, spiritual, you know, dimension-wise. And we, you know, those of you who are Destiny Church fans, you know that we have some amazing, beautiful, intimate times. And yet there's deeper. Deep calls unto deep. There's a deeper place that we can go. Let's not play church. Let's, let's handle the things that the Lord has placed in our hands with like sincere intentionality. Like, my God, this is the ark of the covenant that we are moving. Let's don't just reach out and stud, you know, sturdy that thing or pull it on a cart. Like, no, let's literally get in tune with what God is saying for us, this house, your family, our families, and all go as fast as we can in the same direction. All right, how do I, how do I apply it? Because if you hear this today, but you don't go out there and practice it, it's not going to do us any, any good. And really, there's just really one action point that I want to leave with you. Surround yourself with godly counsel. How, ha, Pastor Rife, how do I increase? How can I have a greater uh, uh, spiritual life? Surround yourself with godly counsel. Pastor Rife, I just really, I'd, I'd love you to be my mentor. Well, we mentor guys on a regular basis every Tuesday night. You're welcome to come. Now, I really, you know, I'm looking for something kind of one-on-one, you know. But, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Jesus did not do it that way, and I'm not doing it that way. Surround yourself with godly folks. You want to grow? No, oh, listen now, I need to stop because I'm going to get on a soapbox. Most people, when they say they want to be mentored, most people, when they say they want to be counseled, they don't. They want to be coddled. They just want somebody to pamper them. I'm like, if you want to grow, if you want something greater, he has got to become greater in you. And there are plenty of opportunities. Well, y'all ain't got something, but on Tuesday nights and listen. If you're hungry, you'll make a way to find somewhere here or wherever God's calling you to. Surround yourself with godly counsel. You need it for your health. You need it for your encouragement. You need it for when you're off uh, focus. You need it. 